In Jesus' name, amen. So church, if you remember, we are in 1 John, so grab your Bibles, open to 1 John chapter 2 for a message entitled, Christians and the Green Swimming Pool. You think, what in the world? Okay, well, here's the thing. I come from a place called Bakersfield, California. I know a lot of you know that, but Bakersfield is hot, 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 hot. And so if you look at the newspaper and it's July, you might see 105, 106, the next day 107, 108, 108, 109, 105. And then if we see a 99, we're all thinking, Oh, yes, a reprieve in the weather. That is so good. Praise God. And so here's the thing. If you're going to live in Bakersfield, California, central California, it's very like high desert Mediterranean type climate. Only rains between six and nine inches a year. Man, you had better have a swimming pool. You have to have a swimming pool or you literally will die. And so, you know, when you go to Walmart, they have the, like the tiny little plastic swimming pools. Man, it does not matter how much you'll go without food for a week. You'll buy that little swimming pool. You'll take that home and you'll see grown men laying in the front lawn in that swimming pool. It's a dry heat. They always say, listen, 109, I do not care how dry it is, is hot. And so we'll be sitting there. And so growing up, we had a swimming pool. And you know what? When uh, Lord ended up getting us a place and it had a swimming pool, and it was awesome. But here's the thing with swimming pools. You have to maintain them. I mean, you have to test the water consistently. You'll go out there in these, these little test strips, and you put it in the pool, and you make sure all the different chemicals in the pool are correct. So you're testing your pool constantly. And then in Bakersfield, it's dusty, and there's wind. And so wind and dust makes people who own pools cry because all that dust comes into your pool, and then you have to go out there, and you have to get a, like this little broom thing, and you have to sweep the sides of the pool because if you don't sweep the sides, it'll start to cake up on the sides, and you're... Your pool filter, that little climbs around all over your pool, it can't suck up the dirt on the sidewalls. And then you have to do a thing called clean the filter. Luke, Ben, Nate. These boys know what it's like to clean the filter because here's the thing, dads. Listen, once your kids are old enough to take over on a job, let them take over. And so it would be like, hey, boys, hey, it's a great day. We're going to go swim in and <clears throat> we're going to clean the filter. They're like, are you kidding me? And so what that requires is that you have to take this spaceship-type cover off. You have to take out these two filters. They weigh about 5,000 pounds each. And then you take them out to the middle of the lawn. You hose them down, and it's a very long process. But that's what you have to do to clean a pool. If you don't do that, guess what color your pool turns? Green. So one, one season, I was looking out there, and I saw my pool, and I thought, huh, that's weird. There's a slight greenish tint to one of the one of the walls but you know me being an optimist I'm like you know it's fine it'll probably be fine not a big deal I'm not even gonna worry about it well what happened was my filter was not working properly and very shortly after that did you know you can grow frogs in your own pool <laughs> little tadpoles and so then my pool started to turn green and more green and more green and guess what I am in huge trouble Christians like swimming pools 
They need to be maintained. We need to check our water. We need to have ourselves cleaned out, rejuvenated, our filters cleaned. And so what this passage here today is going to be a water test for your soul. So we're going to go through this, and at the end, you're going to be able to take a water test of your own spiritual pool inside of you. So Christians, we have to maintain our spiritual life. Now, here's the thing. It's not that we have to do it to earn salvation. No, we are saved. We have been set apart. God has got us. But at the same time, we see that Bible is saying, hey, 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 you need to make sure that you're doing these things to maintain your spiritual life. And then also to make sure that you aren't deceiving yourself, thinking that you are saved, that you have been forgiven, when in fact you aren't. So let's look at 1 John chapter 2. We're going to actually start in first or in, in verse 7, and we're just going to look at one verse there, or one word, beloved. Now here's the thing. John, the Apostle John, is the one who we think wrote this letter Loves, loves, loves. In fact, listen to this quote by one pastor. It says, John is known as the apostle of love because in his gospel and his epistles, he gives such prominence to this subject. And now, here's the thing, is that John, you see, he just talks love, 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 love. But the sad thing is that Hollywood has picked up on this, and they make John the Baptist the biggest sissy I mean, I mean John, the Apostle John, the biggest sissy in, in the Hollywood movies. He's always the little docile guy. He's like Kip on Napoleon Dynamite. He's just standing there and, oh, it's just, it's just the Apostle John. And, oh, man, he's just so tender. and He puts his head on Jesus' side. Oh, it's just little John. Well, here's the thing. That's not how John started out. Let me read to you Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. This is talking about the 12 apostles. And verse 17, he says this, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. So this is James and John, their brothers. Now, here's what Jesus calls them. So James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges. Is that, is it Boan, how do you say that? Boanerges. That is sons of thunder. So now you got James and John, they're brothers, and Jesus says, yeah, these guys, they're the sons of thunder. Now, the sons of thunder don't sound like a bunch of pansy men, right? These sound like, man, these guys are after it. Studs, I mean, maybe a little bit too aggressive. Look in Luke 9, 51 through 56. So here's what happens. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. So Jesus sends them forward. The people in this Samaritan village don't accept Jesus coming in. Verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, so John, the one who wrote 1 John, saw it, they said, uh, Lord, do you want us to call down fire to come down from heaven and consume them? 
I mean, think about that. Jesus says, hey, head on out to that Samaritan village. You know, they're just there. They might be pretty tired. They got all this dust in their eyes and they come in a Samaritan village. Hey, Jesus wants to eat here. And they say no. And they're like, all right, Jesus, how about we just nuke them? I mean, these are the sons of thunder. But here's the thing is that when we get to 1 John, and then when you look at John, he is all about love, 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 love. So sometimes as men, we think, you know, we got to be a little bit more machismo. You know, I don't want to be too lovey-dovey. Well, here's the thing is that this man who God called one of the sons of thunder and who started out saying, hey, Lord, should we just bring down fire to consume them? Something happened to him between when he was just a raw baby Christian and now when he's an old man. He has discovered something. He discovered something from his Savior, which is Christians have to have love. And you think, Rusty, there's so many messages that we've already heard about love, love, love. Yeah, and here's the thing, is that since there's so many of them, I don't want to just fly over them and think, all right, let's get on to something else. We've heard that subject because God knows that we need to hear this, that we need to take a test in our own lives that, hey, let's dip this down into our own life and make sure that there is love in our lives. So John before, man, his water was green. But John after, it is crystal clear blue water. Love. Let me read you some verses that John has written about love. 1 John 3.11 For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. First John 3:14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. First John 3:16. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. First John 3:23. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ. And love one another just as he has commanded us. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So here's the point. John finally got it. John loves people, and he wants us to get it. And so if you are a person who is, you know, growing up in the church, and, but you're just thinking, you know, my life is kind of stagnant, rusty, what's going on? Well, this is a perfect message for you to take a spiritual litmus test in your own life. So look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. Whoever says... He is in the light and hates his brother, is still in the darkness. Let me tell you a story about darkness. You know, we, sometimes we just glance over that. One time I was at a kid's camp. Have you guys ever been to kid's camp? All right, well, here's the thing. As I was at kid's camp and I was on a bunk bed 
up in this, you know, I was up in my sleeping bag, and, you know, there's just a bunch of kids in there. So what do you do if you want to make it a little bit quieter? You zip all the way up your sleeping bag, and you try to go to your own little happy place. And so I'm in this sleeping bag. You go to bed knowing where you're at. But I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was utter darkness. Not only was it dark outside, but my sleeping bag was over me, and I was all the way zipped up. And my, my heart rate went from about 60 beats per minute to about 180, thinking, I am in outer darkness, and I don't know where I am. And then I can't get out of this. Someone has cinched me up, and I'm held captive in a boat, like at sea. Or you don't know what is happening. You cannot move. And you're like, outer darkness. Panic has set in. And you look at this, you look at this verse. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Now, Jesus talked about darkness. There was a centurion that came up to Jesus, and he wanted his servant to be healed. And he showed just great faith. And Jesus said, you know what? Your servant is going to be healed. And then he complimented the man's faith. But then he said this. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now here's the thing. Have you ever thought about outer darkness have you ever been somewhere like me where you were it was absolute dark and you started to panic because you didn't know what was going on maybe you woke up in a new place and that panic has set in and you're in outer darkness now I think of people that have left this earth who don't know Christ and here's what the Bible says is they are in outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And they might have died multiple years ago. I'm thinking of one particular person. Thinking of one particular person. And big movie star, if I said his name, you would all know him. Every account showed that he did not trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He got cancer and he hung himself. And so right now, this man who was on earth, who had the opportunity to come to Christ, to live in the light, has now been in outer darkness from the day that he took his own life. And so here's the thing is that as Christians, we want to do a test and we want to make sure that our water is clean. And if it's not, there's going to be a time at the end where we can respond and the Lord will start to clean us out. Praise God for that. But at the same time, if you're sitting here, we want to make sure that that's all that you need. You just need Christ to come in and clean out your filters. We want to make sure that you aren't living in darkness. And you say, well, Rusty, okay, well, what, how do I figure out if, am I in the light or am I living in this world in outer darkness? Well, look at verse 9 again. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. 
1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Saints, it is not about talk. It's about action. It's about deeds. They don't earn your salvation, but they prove your salvation. They prove that you've been tested, that you've been changed. And so here's, here's the first test. Here's, a, here's the test that we all can take. Do you hate your fellow brother? Is there anybody in your life that right now you're resenting hatred towards? A brother, a sister in Christ. Anybody in the kingdom where if I said, hey, the Bible says this, that Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Is there anybody you can say, you know what, Rusty? There is actually someone that I have harboring hatred towards. Now, my hope is that it just requires repentance. Say, Lord, I was wrong in that. Pray that you would forgive me. Help me to love that person. Amen and amen. And we have all been there. But at the same time, I want to make sure that you actually have been set free from the darkness, that you have been saved, that your sins have been paid for, that you have been born from above. Look at verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So let's break down what does that mean, abide in the light? Well, John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so if we go back and we look at verse 9, whoever says he is in the light, which is in Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, if you say, no, I'm a Christian, I've trusted in Christ, but yet you hate your brother, the Bible says that you walk in darkness. And so as we would test the pool, I would go out there, I would dip that in the pool, and I would read it. And on the side of the, there was these little test strips, and you, they had multiple colors, like five different colors, and they each tested something different in the pool water. And on the container of the test strips were the different colors, and then you would look at the color of the test strip and match it to the standard. And if you were off, you would know, okay, I've got to change something on that water. And so here's the thing, is that God's word is the standard. Jesus Christ is the perfect standard. And so as we look at this, we all are going to take a test strip. We're going to dip it down into the water of our lives. And then we're going to hold it up to God's word. And we're going to say, okay, where, where do I line up in regards to loving people? And so in those test strips, one would be like purple. But if your water, if your test strip came out and it was like brown, okay, there's a problem. Stop. Don't do anything. You can't put it off because if you put it off, your water will start to turn green. 
So you think, okay, you're gonna, you go back in, you find out, okay, if, my, if the test strip is supposed to be purple, but mine's brown, what do I need to change? Oh, actually, what you need to do is you need to add some more ash to your pool, or you, you need to add some more chlorine, or you need to add some acid to the pool. You need to add something to it to make sure it's all balancing correctly. And that's why we come together as saints and we open God's word. We're around each other and we say, okay, Lord, you know what? Show me if I am off. See, the reason why the world doesn't like what we do is because when we come together, we all hold our lives up to perfection. We say this, this is, you have to be perfect. And we're all like this, we can't be perfect. And that's why we have that cross here. Say, so, yeah, yeah, but here's the good news is that we know who is perfect. So we look to Christ who makes us perfect. It doesn't mean that we won't sin on this earth. What it means is that his perfection is accounted to us. We're perfect in him. But the world says this, no, I just want to live my life and not get jammed up. And you know what? There's a lot of people wanting to have churches like that. Listen, I want to come to church and not get jammed up. Just tell me what a great person I am. Tell me that I'm doing a good job. Tell me that I'll be healthy and then I'm definitely going to be wealthy. That's the kind of church that a lot of people are looking for. But what we want to do is we come to God's word and we say, okay, Lord, what do you want us to know? And God's saying this, hey, in order to be proved that you're mine, you're going to love other people. Now, don't get jammed up. Doesn't mean you're perfect. He's perfect. We still have this sinful nature that still entices us to do bad things. It still has crazy thoughts in our head. We're gonna, that sinful nature is going to be inside of us until the day we die when we're set free from it and then we're with God forever. Doesn't mean you have to be, there's never a temptation in your life. Doesn't mean you won't fail. But it means this, that there is going to be a mark in your life that you love people. You love the saints. You love the saints. And if in your life right now you think, man, praise God, that is so good. That's so encouraging because, you know what, I wouldn't say this out loud, but I'm doing a pretty good job. You know, I love my spouse and I love my kids and I love my neighbor. And you know what, there's that person the other day that I was able to do this for. And man, I'm, God's, that's great. And here's the thing, saying you should rejoice in that. Because what that means is that God, the Holy Spirit within you, is giving you the power to love people. But on the flip side, if you think, you know what, Rusty? Actually, man, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous because I, I, I do, it's really easy for me to hate people. And you know, I, I'm just not that great of a person to be around. And you know, Rusty, I can't remember anyone that I've shown love to in years. God is warning us. Look at verse 11, another warning. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Saints, this is just so merciful to us because it's just another warning. You know, when many people face death, you know what they want to know? I mean, think about this. You've just been told you have one week to live. You know, everything goes through your mind, but ultimately, what do you want to know? You want to know if you're going to go to heaven. You're going to want to know if you're going to be with Jesus. 
And so if I sit down with you and, and we're praying and, and, and I'm talking to you and you look at me and you say, Rusty, I'm scared. I, I, I don't know if I've done enough to get to heaven. That would be tragic. Because then you're still thinking you have to do all these works. No, no, no. We rest in the finished work of Christ. But what this is saying is there's going to be a natural outflow of love towards other people. What's some of the things about love? Love is patient. Are you a patient person? Love is kind. Does not boast. It doesn't have to have its own way. It rejoices in the truth. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. So take the test. If we could get each one of you up here and the Lord gave us the ability to look inside of you, what would we see? Would we see, wow, that person has a crazy amount of love for other people. And we think, wow, I never knew. I had no idea. They're just so quiet, they don't say anything. But man, the love is just going like crazy out of these people. Or would they say, wow, I thought that guy was a way more spiritual than he really was. And you, wow, he hated that person and that person and that person. And he was holding bitterness towards that person and, and his third grade teacher? What the? What is? You know, I had a pastor once tell me, you can tell a lot about a person when life bumps them and you watch what comes out. You go through life and boom, life hits you, you get bumped, and what comes out? Tell a lot about a person. So here's a question. Has a brother or a sister bumped you lately? What came out? Was it love, compassion? Was it hatred? Rejoice if what came out was love. Praise God, and I'm so glad that you are here. Repent if what came out was hate. Ask the Lord to forgive you, and praise God you're here. And I think all of us, there's times where we are rejoicing, because what comes out is love. But you add some 108-degree weather in there, when you get bumped, maybe what comes out is something that we're not really proud of. And we have to go back to our neighbor and say, hey, you know the other day when I told you to repentance is a sign that you are saved. And so as we end, we're going to have a time of just invitation in a time of, you know what, right where you're sitting, you could just say, Lord, I pray that you forgive me because there is someone, somebody, a person, people in my life that I, that I hate. Maybe you've never even met them. Maybe it's a politician and you're so mad at them. There's so much hatred in your life that comes up when I, if I said that person's name. God does not want that. God wants that person to get saved. You know, maybe there's tension in your relationship with your kids or with your spouse. Here's what you do, is that when we sing this song, you take time, you get right with the Lord. You're only one prayer away with getting right with the Lord. And you say, Lord, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. 
I am wrong. And you know what the beautiful thing, saints, is that he'll forgive you because he's loving, he's merciful, he's patient, and he's kind. So here's the thing. If you just took your test of your spiritual pool and you started to see, oh, man, there is some real off things in my life. Before that, turn, that pool turns green, I would encourage you. Say, Lord, whatever it takes, forgive me for everything. Help me. Do I need to make a phone call? Do I need to call my neighbor, walk over there? Do I need to repent for something? Because here's the thing, Saint. If today is the last day on earth, man, you do not want to leave this earth harboring hatred towards a brother or sister. We want to be marked by love. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your warning, your encouragement, Lord, this test. And so, Father, on behalf of all of us, I want to say, Lord, forgive us when we hate people. Maybe it's a political opposition or maybe it's just someone at work or even someone in our own homes. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. We're wrong. We repent. And Lord, I want to rejoice when we've shown love towards people that, you know, we're really hard to love. Lord, thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit was able to help us to love difficult people. And so, Father, moving forward, I just ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be a church that loves people. Lord, not only the ones that we feel are worthy of our love, but Lord, those that have been made in your image, which is everyone. Lord, help us to love people. Let us be marked by that. And so, Father, I pray that you would draw anyone in here that doesn't know you to repentance, Lord, that you would save them that you would set them apart, that right now they would know something inside of them has to change and that they would cry out, that they would believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and that he rose again on the third day. Lord, I just ask that they would cry out to you, ask for forgiveness, and that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would save them, you would set them apart. Lord, we love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you'll stand with me. So this is just a time of invitation. If the Lord is drawing you to pray for someone else or you want to know more about receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior or about being baptized or belonging to this particular body of believers, just however the Lord leads you, you 